You're listening to The Gospel Effect, a sermon series about the teachings of Jesus and how they should affect the lives of Christians. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. pastors here and I am so glad that you are joining us today. We're starting a brand new series today called The Gospel Effect, The Gospel Effect. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we are easily affected. I don't mean that we're easily infected like with a zombie virus or something like that, but we are easily affected. Things cause a response from us. Things impact us. For example, Football. Football affects us. You say, I don't know about that, uh, but it's true. Check out some of these Saints fans right here. I got a picture of them. Look at these guys. Football affects you. I assure you, this guy on your left is not a real priest. And I assure you, the guy on the right doesn't wear that whistle to work. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, football really does. It affects us. Check out this next guy right here. I mean, he has painted his entire body red. Football affects us. What happens when that guy takes a shower? You know what I mean? If he's in a hotel, they're calling the cops. They're going to think a murder happened. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be red everywhere. But football affects us. It, it, really, it really does. When your team is winning, this is what you look like right here. They got a next picture. Yeah, your team is winning. They're winning. You're excited. You're excited. But when your team is losing, this is what you look like, right? Now, that's, that's Ole Miss who beat Alabama a couple of years ago, but that's, that's just a distant memory because last night they put the whoop on y'all. You know what I mean? But, but football affects us. It really does. It affects us. Something else that affects us is Taco Bell, right? I'm not going to show you a picture of how Taco Bell affects us, but it does. It really does. It affects us. It affects us. We are easily affected sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, it's true that there are some things that affect us pretty easily, but then there are other things, serious things, that don't affect us, that don't affect us. There, there are serious things that should cause us to live different and be different, but sometimes it's those serious things that, that don't affect us or they don't affect us the way that they probably should. Like when you hear that half a million people in America are homeless, does that affect you? Does that impact you? Does it cause you to live your life differently? When you hear that 20 million children in America grow up in a fatherless home, does that affect you? It should. It's heartbreaking. We just finished up a series on family last week, and one of the things that we talked about was how God set it up for a mother and father to really be in a home, a mother and father to raise their children, and that things really work better when a mother and father are doing what it is that God would have them to do, but 20 million children in America don't get to experience that. That's tragic. It's tragic because 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. It really is a terrible thing. It's something that should cause us to step up and be different and do different, but do we? Again, it's obvious that there are some things that affect us, but other things that we just let roll off our back. 
But what I want you to know today and throughout this entire series is that the gospel should affect you. The gospel should affect you. And I don't mean that it should just make you feel differently on a Sunday. The gospel should so affect your lives that every day of the week is different. You live different. You act different. You walk different. You talk different. When you look at the teachings of Christ, he often said things like, hey, you have heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies. Jesus said, you know what? If you're going to follow me, my teachings are going to affect the way that you live your life and the way that you do things. If your life is not being affected by the things that Jesus is telling you, Jesus says, you know what? You're not following me. The gospel challenges us. Jesus challenges us. And I'm glad you're here today. I hope you'll come back next week, but Christianity is, so, is, is, is about so much more than you and I just showing up to church on a Sunday. It, it, really, it really is. Think about it. In the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, you had Adam. God created Adam, and he said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper, and so he says, Adam, you know, how'd you like to have a helper? How'd you like to have somebody who is going to cook for you three meals a day? How'd you like to have somebody who's going to do all the laundry? How'd you like to have somebody who's going to clean the house? How'd you like to have somebody who's going to work a full-time job? And every night when you come home because your back is hurt, they're going to rub your back. And when your feet are sore, they're going to rub your feet. How'd you like to have a helper like that, Adam? And of course, Adam said, man, that sounds amazing, God, but it sounds expensive. How much is that going to cost me? And of course, Adam said, I mean, God said, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And so Adam said, well, what can I get for a rib? And the rest is history, right? I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how we wound up the way it is. It didn't really happen like that, but maybe, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But in the Garden of Eden, you had Adam and you had Eve. And who walked with them? God, God walked with them. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter three, verse eight, it says this, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Every day, Adam and Eve literally got to experience the presence of God. God wanted a relationship with his creation. He wanted a relationship with his children. And the reality is that is still true today. God wants a very real relationship with you. He wants a very real relationship with me. He wants a very real relationship with us. He so desperately wants to have a relationship with us that he sent his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross to make that relationship a possibility. But when you think about your life, when I think about my life, how often do we really walk with God? How often do we really long to be with God? How, how often do we want to experience his presence? See, how many of you are married today? Some of the men are like, I probably should say I'm married. And some of the ladies are like, do I really have to? But I mean, you're married. Do you remember when you first started dating I mean, you were so in love, right? You, were so, you just wanted to spend time with each other. You just wanted to talk with each other. When, when I was coming up, you know, you were on the phone all the time. And this is before like cell phones, before you had that FaceTime, you know what I'm saying, where you could see somebody on a screen. You actually had to talk to somebody on a phone that was connected to a cable on the wall, you know what I'm saying? And so you'd talk till 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. You'd be like, you wouldn't even talk about anything. And then when it was time to go, you were like, you hang up, you hang up. No, you hang up, you hang up, you hang up. 
And then after all that happened, you know what I'm saying? You're like, well, let's just fall asleep on the phone together. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? Man, that was so dangerous, you know, because the phone, again, is wrapped to a cord. If that thing got tapped, wrapped around your neck, and you could die. Anybody have any close calls? Just me? Pray for me? I'm just kidding. But I mean, you know what I mean? We just wanted to talk. I want to talk. I want to talk. I want to talk. And you just wanted to see each other in school. What would you do? You'd walk each other to class, and then you'd go to your class. And then while you were in your class, what did you do? Again, you didn't have cell phones. You wrote on a piece of paper. You wrote a note, and you folded it in a weird shape to where they had to pull a tab out. But that note would say, hey, what are you doing? I'm in class just chilling. And of course they know you're in class. They just walked you to class, you know. But you were like, I'm in class, and, and I, 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 can't, I, I miss you. I can't wait to see you. You just saw each other in class, right? But you just wanted to see one another. You wanted to be with one another because you were in love. Well, how often are you and I like that with God? Where we just want to see him. Where we just want to hear from him. Where we just want to read the note, God's word. Where we just want to read the note that he has given us. Where we just can't wait to be with him. Do you have days where you feel that way? Are you seeking his presence daily? Do you seek his presence daily or are you just content with coming to church once a week or maybe every other month, just every now and then? See, sometimes we're so busy seeking other things that we miss the main thing, that we forget about the main one, the one who died for us, the one who loves us more than we can possibly comprehend. The truth is, when, when you and I truly desire God, things change. But rarely, rarely do we desire God that way. Why? Why? It's because we haven't let the gospel affect us the way that God wants it to. So let me just say that I hope this series stretches you. I hope this series challenges you. I hope that this series causes more spiritual growth than you've experienced in a, in a very long time. I, I hope it causes you to rethink the way that you perceive Christianity and what God calls us to do. You say, is it really necessary for you and I to rethink the way that we think? Is it? Well, yes, because the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will renew your mind. Change your way of thinking. Now, I don't know what you think, but I think you probably think it's hard to change the way that you think, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Sometimes when you change the way that you think, your current way of thinking wants to go back to the previous way of thinking, and it'll mess up your current way of thinking. How many of y'all think you know what I'm talking about, right? How many of y'all think, man, that dude's crazy. What's he talking about? I mean, you know what I'm saying? But that's, what I, that's, really, that's really it. We got to change the way that we think. And today, I want to talk to you about suffering. Specifically, suffering well. Because the truth of the matter is, we've got to change the way that we think about suffering. We don't think about suffering properly. How many of you like to suffer? I can't really tell. I have my glasses on. We hate suffering. We structure our lives in hopes of never suffering. 
That's, that's how we structure our life. We, we, you, you may not know this, but I'm allergic to, to poison ivy. Anybody else, you're allergic to poison ivy? Man, I hate that stuff. If I look at it, I'm breaking out in a rash. If I look at it, I'm going to look like one of those big old pink blobs because I'm going to have that calamine all over me. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be miserable. So when I see poison ivy, you know what I do? I literally run. I ain't touching that. Oh, there's something with three leaves. I'm getting out of here. I don't want to mess with that stuff. I literally run from it. I ain't about to touch that. And you know what? That's really how we are when it comes to suffering. I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. I'm running from that. We want to avoid it. But look at what Jesus said in John 16, Here's what Jesus said. He said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus says we're going to have many trials. Jesus says we're going to have many troubles. He said, here on earth you and I are going to suffer. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Check this out. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. What does Paul say right there in, in that verse? He says, we are hard-pressed on every side. What in the world does that mean? It means life is hard. Life has suffering. Sometimes there's mental suffering. Sometimes there's emotional suffering. Sometimes there's physical suffering. Sometimes there is spiritual suffering. He says all of this, we're going to have suffering, but we're not in despair. And watch what he goes on to say. He says, we are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. How in the world was Paul able to say those things? It's because he understood the true teachings of Jesus that you and I are going to have suffering in this world. Jesus knew we'd have suffering. The apostle Paul knew we'd have suffering. Even Peter, man, one of those disciples closest to Jesus, he knew it. I want you to see what he says here. This will change your life. Watch this. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Look what Peter says. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Come on, be honest. How many of y'all, when you're suffering, you're going through something tough, you're surprised by it. You're like, man, why is this happening? Anybody? Come on, man. We in church. Y'all got to tell the truth. Y'all ain't saying Jesus is here. But so when we're going through something tough, we're like, man, why is this happening? What did I do? I don't deserve this. I can't believe this. God, are you going to work this out? We are surprised by it. But Pete says, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that you are experiencing. See, that word ordeal refers to suffering. But he also uses another interesting word. He uses that word fiery. Everybody say fiery. Yeah, I need to make sure y'all show with me. Fiery, that's what he says. He says, fiery ordeal. What in the world does that even mean? See, when Peter wrote this, you need to understand that the Christians were being heavily persecuted. And I don't mean that they were just being called names and being made fun of. That's not what's happening. This was written during the time of the emperor Nero. And do you know what Nero would do? Nero would have Christians arrested. And that's bad enough, right? Nobody wants to go to jail. Nobody wants to be arrested for their faith. But not only would he have them arrested, he would put them in cages in his garden, in his garden. And it wasn't so that they could look and enjoy his garden. Oh, look at the hydrangeas. Oh, look at the gardenias. It wasn't, it wasn't so that they could enjoy his garden. You know why it was? They would light those Christians on fire while they were in a cage so that at night the emperor could go out and enjoy his garden. And Pete's like, hey, don't be surprised about that fiery ordeal. 
Don't be surprised that you and your family are being lit on fire. Man, what in the world? I'd be surprised by that. Anybody? I'd be surprised by that. Ain't nobody got time to get lit on fire, man. I ain't trying to do all that. But he says, don't be surprised by this. And watch what he says in verse 13. He says, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. What? Rejoice. Rejoice. Don't be surprised when you're suffering. Instead, rejoice. Pete says, be happy about it. See, I have gone through some tough things in life, just like I am sure each and every person in this room has. Why? Because again, what Jesus says in John 16, in this world, you will experience many trials and many troubles. I know that you've experienced heartache. We've all experienced heartache. We've all experienced suffering. And so, you know, I've never had anybody come up to me though, when I'm going through a tough time when I'm suffering. I've never had somebody come up to me and say, you should be so happy right now. High five. What? You're getting whooped up on. You're suffering, man. That's awesome. Anybody had somebody do that to you? You would punch them in the face, right? Right. But that's what Pete says. That's what Pete says right here. And watch what he goes on to say. He says, rejoice, but watch this, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory, when Jesus's glory is revealed. Peter is saying, look, when you suffer for Jesus, you're going to have scars. They may not necessarily be physical scars. They could be mental scars, emotional scars. They could be all sorts of scars. But you're going to have wounds that Jesus can see. You're going to have wounds that Jesus can see. And just how you're going to be able to look at the wounds of Jesus Christ here going to be, that he suffered for you, he's going to be able to look at the wounds that you have suffered for him. He will reward you. For your suffering, that's what the gospel teaches. But again, we live our lives doing everything that we can to avoid suffering. We live our lives desperately seeking comfort. We want comfortable shoes, comfortable clothes, a comfortable car, a comfortable house. We want comfort, comfort, comfort. We want so much comfort that many of us when it comes time to face Jesus, to see Jesus face to face, we're going to see his scars. And then the only thing we're going to be able to show him are our smooth, moisturized hands because we're not really suffering for him. Peter says, be glad when you suffer so that you can be overjoyed when you see Jesus face to face. Now, how many of you want to be blessed? If you're not raising your hand, man, if somebody beside you hit them, you know, get, take that elbow. We all want to be blessed, right? You want to be blessed. And when you think about being blessed, what, what pops into your mind? We usually think, hey, you know what? Uh, the person who is blessed, they're the person who has a lot of money, right? They're blessed. Wow, they're blessed. We think about the person who's got the nice house. What do we say? Man, they're blessed. We see somebody's got the fancy car. What do we think? Man, they're blessed. We see somebody's got a 1993 Ford Mustang Cobra, and we're like, man blessed. Uh, you know what I'm saying? We're like, man, we see all their things and we're like, they are blessed. But what if our thinking of what it means to be blessed is all wrong? What if it's all wrong? Again, Paul told us in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to change our thinking, change our thinking. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, don't be surprised by the suffering that you are experiencing. Be happy about it. And look what he goes on to say in verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14. This is crazy. 
If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, what? You are blessed. You're blessed. Did you, do you see that? Peter doesn't say you're blessed if you've got a nice house. Peter doesn't say you're blessed if you've got all the money in the world. Peter doesn't say you're blessed if you've got a nice car. Peter doesn't even say you are blessed if you have your health. He says, nope, you are blessed if you are insulted for the name of Christ. You are blessed if you suffer for Jesus. See, we all said, though, we want to be blessed, but none of us want to suffer. But what if you can't really be blessed unless you're willing to suffer? What if our understanding of what it means to be blessed is all wrong? Because the truth of the matter is you can't read the scriptures and see that Jesus has not called us to a life of suffering. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to die. You want to be blessed with real life? You got to die. You got to suffer. Paul, one time, he was preaching, and the people didn't like what he was preaching about, and so they stoned him. And I don't mean they rolled up a fatty and forced him to smoke some marijuana. That's not what they did. They literally, they picked up rocks. They picked up rocks, and they started throwing them at his head, at his body. You know, this is crazy. They left him for dead, but he didn't die. He survived. And first off, what do you think a person who has had rocks, not pebbles or anything, but like rocks, thrown at their head, and thrown at their body. What do you think they look like? You seen The Walking Dead? Head busted open, blood and guts going everywhere, man. It looked like a bunch of nastiness. Man, I can imagine that Paul's head is busted open. I can imagine he's going through some just really pain. He's experiencing difficult pain. And people come up to him and they're like, Paul, man, I can't believe this happened to you. That's not right. It's not right what happened to you. This is an injustice. And, and Paul, you know what his response is to these guys? Instead of saying, you're right, man, I didn't deserve this. You're right, man, this shouldn't have happened to me. Instead of saying any of that, look what he says in Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Crazy. He says this, we must. You see there, those quotes? We must. Everybody say must. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Am I the only one who doesn't like that? We must? See, this isn't a a feel-good message that I'm preaching or that Paul was saying. We don't don't want to go through hardships. We don't want to do that. But Paul says we must suffer. So how do we suffer well? How do we suffer well? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about for the rest of the time we got together. I got to hurry up to it and realize it's so late. Uh, but anyway, two points real quick, two points real quick. First thing, if you're taking notes, you want to write them down. The first thing I want you to, under- to see that we need to understand about suffering is that suffering, suffering happens in community. Suffering happens in community. What does that mean? Well, you need to know that Christians are not meant to be lone rangers. We are not meant to live our life alone. Remember in the garden, it was just God and Adam. And what did God say? It is not good for the man to be alone. And so he said, I'm going to make him a helper. Again, we weren't meant to live our life uh, on our own. This past week, my Monday started off pretty rough. 
It really did. I woke up and I, I just smelled the stench of death in my house. And so I was like, man, what in the world is going on? And so I followed my nose to the stench and I went over there to my freezer, my deep freeze, you know, where, where and I opened it up and there was blood everywhere. There was blood everywhere. Y'all like, what happened? Who, my, my freezer quit and all my deer meat, man, it just went all out. Everybody say, oh, Thank you so much. I really felt bad about it. So all my deer steak, gone. All my deer summer sausage, gone. All my deer burger, gone. My snack sticks, they were gone. And not only that, man, not only was my deer meat gone, but, man, I had some drumsticks in that freezer. Drumsticks, those ice cream cones dipped in chocolate and goodness. And so, man, I'm looking at those. I pick them up, and it's just a mushy mess. You know what I mean? It, it was bad. I said, could this day get any worse? Well, guess what? It did. Because I was walking in my attic, and there was a board that had a nail going through it. And you know what happened? That nail went through my flip-flop and into my foot. Again, blood was everywhere. And I'm, luckily, I wasn't home by myself. Amanda was there. And so I'm like, Amanda, Amanda, there's blood everywhere. It's so bad. It's so bad. Please tell the girls that I love them. Please. Man, I love you so much. I got an insurance policy. You know where it is. Tell me you know where it is. And so Amanda's like, let me see your foot. So she gets down. She literally, she gets down on her knee, and she cleans my foot off. And she puts Neosporin on there, and she puts a Band-Aid on there. She helped me. Well, folks, I want you to know that that is what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like. It is. See, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, the church is meant to be a refuge for people who are hurting. The, the church, when people are hurting, when its members are hurting, the church is supposed to apply the bandages. When a member is in need, the church comes alongside to help. When a, when, a, when a member is down, the church is there to encourage. At least that's what the church is supposed to do. That's why we commit to a Church. That's why we commit so that we can help people in their need, so that we can fulfill the law of Christ. But we also commit to a church. We also commit to a church so that we've got people to help us. See, see again. That says that that verse says that's how you fulfill the law of Christ. If you're not connected to a church, you're carrying around your burdens alone. And think about this: the Bible gives us several different analogies about the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. The church really is the physical presence of Jesus here on earth. Well, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter says this, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. See, we should be able to come to church for help. We want to cast our cares upon God. We cast our cares upon him. We come to church so that people can help us when we're going through difficult times. We go to church so that people can help us carry our burdens, but we also go to church so that we can help carry other people's burdens. Don't carry your burdens alone. Don't make other people carry their burdens alone. Get connected to the church. See how suffering, to suffer well, you got to understand suffering happens in community. Not only that, but the second thing that I want you to see this morning is that suffering prepares us for more glory. Suffering prepares us for more glory. Again, the Apostle Paul, he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. Look what he says. He says, for our momentarily 
momentary light affliction. Man, hold up. Light affliction. People are getting lit on fire and dying. This does not seem light. But Paul's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's just light. Light suffering. He says this, is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory so we do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying that we've got to have a heavenly focus. That's what he's saying. Paul is saying, look, when you're going through the ringer, when things look bad in your life, when all this stuff is happening around you is bad, don't look at those things that you see. Look at the things that are unseen. When things are happening to you, again, look at what you can't see. When things are bad here, you are blessed because that means that your future glory is going to be amazing. That means that Jesus Christ is working on something amazing for you. He's got something special planned for you. Don't look at what you can see. Think about the things that you can not see. It's almost as if when we are suffering, when we see somebody else suffering for Jesus Christ, we should be jealous. Man, they're so blessed. They're so blessed. I wish I, wish I was going through something like that. See, I'm wrapping up, but I want you to understand that this really is what the Bible teaches. It is. I want you to see this actually being played out. In Acts chapter 7, there's a guy by the name of Stephen, and he preaches a sermon. And man, I've preached some, some, ser- some bad sermons in my life. This one might be one of them. Y'all might be going, what's that guy talking about? Might be a bad sermon, but I've never, I've never had anything like this happen. I want you to see what happens to Stephen. He's preaching to some people and he offends them. And watch what happens in verse 40, 54 of Acts chapter 7. It says, when they heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts and they gnashed their teeth at him. These people are crazy. But Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed in to heaven. Stephen's not focusing on what's seen. What's he looking at? Things that are unseen. And the Bible says he saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they screamed at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They threw him out of the city, and they began to stone him, throwing rocks. And the witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep. Don't miss this. Stephen is suffering unjustly. He's suffering for the sake of Christ. They're throwing stones at him. But instead of looking at that, what's he looking at? He's looking at Jesus. And Jesus is standing. See, folks, I started out the message by talking about how football affects us. And it does. When you're watching your team play, And they're doing something good. They make a good play. And they're running for a touchdown. They're at the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown. What do you do? You're on your feet. Clapping. You're excited. You are clapping. Man, Jesus looked down and saw Stephen suffering. And Jesus, very literally, he rises to his feet. Jesus, the son of God, he got out of his seat for Stephen and Stephen saw it. 
How'd you like to see Jesus Christ standing for you and what you are suffering for him? How'd you like to see Jesus celebrating the fact that you know what? You love him so much, you're willing to go through whatever it is for him. And Stephen saw this. It had to have been a beautiful sight, an amazing sight. See, I just want you to know that when we really suffer, we're blessed. So we rejoice in our suffering. We rejoice in the Lord always. I get to suffer for Christ. You get to suffer for Christ. We get to suffer for Christ. It's not woe is me. It's we are blessed. We're blessed. Does God's teaching on suffering affect the way that you view your past suffering, your present suffering, and even your future suffering. Because Peter says, when you suffer, you are blessed. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I want you to understand that suffering for Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to be coming against you. I want you to understand that suffering for Jesus just means sometimes living for him is difficult. Living for him is hard. And maybe you're here today and you've got something going on in your life that you know you don't need to be a part of. Could be an addiction, could be substance abuse, could be whatever. And you say, man, I'm trying. I've tried to quit. I've tried to stop. I just can't do it. Yes, you can. Stop and suffer. Stop and suffer. Stop and suffer. You're blessed. If you'd say, Pastor, pray for me, there's some things that I just need to stop, that I need to stop and suffer. I just want you to lift your hand so I can pray for you, so I can pray for you. Amen, 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 amen. A lot of hands. Father, help us, I pray, to be willing to lay down our own lives to lay down the things that we don't need to be a part of and live for you. Also wonder today, while we keep praying, also wonder today if there is someone here who's not living for God. God's not your Lord. He's not your Savior. And you realize today that you need to make him your Lord and Savior. Again, Jesus calls us to pick up our cross and follow him daily. If you'd say, you know what? Jesus has suffered for me, and so I want to pick up my cross and follow him today. Today I want to be saved. If that's you, right where you are, I'm going to ask that you lift your hand so that we can pray together. You know you need to be saved today. Amen. 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 If that's you, I'm going to ask that you pray right where you are. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Today, I surrender to you. I confess you as Lord and you as my Savior. Today, I commit my life to you, to following you, to seeking your presence daily. Help me, Father, to realize today that I'm a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. 
Father, help me to live for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.